Welcome back, everybody. This is Friday, and uh, we wanted to have some fun and invite more people from Cobra Kai, which I know you love, I love, my son loves, uh, and now we're getting my wife into it. So uh, welcome to the program, Keith, Arthur, Bolton, uh, and Kirk. Thanks, Thanks so much, Alan. Yeah. yeah. Thanks Keith, for having us. Keith, I think I said Bolton, so uh, I meant Bolden, uh, <laughs> but if it, if it came out Bolton, then, you know, both. It happens all the time, but I always say uh, a bold and like golden in the V. Yeah, yeah, that works. And uh, nice background, by the way, Keith. It looks uh, it looks very nice. And thank you, thank you. <laughs> we were just playing with that because you know, as as I as we were about to start recording, I went like this. Okay, guys, ready? And then I noticed myself doing it, and I thought, "Wow, is this a subliminal Mr. Miyagi living in my head?" I uh, could be. Could be. Well, uh, welcome to you both. Uh, I, I really, uh, obviously, you know, I, I've enjoyed watching your characters. People, if you're not recognizing, uh, Keith was uh, Daryl and, uh, or plays Daryl, not was, and uh, George. So um, I know, and let's kick it off with the show, right? So from the Cobra Kai perspective, um, how much have you been enjoying Kind of uh, when season three came out and had a chance to uh, to watch it because we had to wait for quite a bit. What was it like for you being as a part of the show, uh, getting to watch it more from fan, fan perspective? Uh, start with uh, start with Kurt. Oh, okay. So uh, it's interesting because I was uh, visiting my parents when uh, season three came out, and yep. I was going to be coming back home like within the next couple of days, I think within 48 hours. So I was in my head, I was thinking, you know what, let me just, uh, when I get home and I'm by myself and I can binge it all at once, right? So I won't have any interruptions. So that was my plan. Um, but, you know, the way that the world is right now with social media and everything, things would get spoiled in so quickly. So I already started seeing like, oh my gosh, this, and oh my gosh, that on Cobra Kai. And I was like, ah, there's no way, there's no way I can keep waiting because the whole thing's going to get spoiled for me. So I ended up uh, watching it um, while I was visiting my parents. So it, and it was great. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, Cobra, Cobra Kai has, has not let us down yet. And um, they're, they're still going on strong. The story just keeps getting better and better, which is great. Thank you. And uh, Keith, what about you? Uh, you know, it, it took me a while to watch season two, and I, and I don't know why that was. I think it was it was because of the old network it was on, and it just uh, it took me a while. And then when they made the move, it's so binge worthy and bingeable because it's so short. But then when you finish it, you're just mad because you have no more left, and then you have to wait yep. for right. the next installment, right? Which is which is hard. But the thing that these guys have done. They've created a world, or they've continued a world, right, and, and grown and grown this world so well that you feel you don't you don't feel the absence of not having the show once it comes back. Yeah. And when I when I watched season three, I, I, it took it because I have little children. It took me a couple of days to watch it, but after that season two cliffhanger, I had to watch season three. And, and, and like I said, I, like Kurt said, was not disappointed at all. No, Family. yeah, and again, you know, no offense to you guys, but I think season three was the strongest uh, season. Uh, I, I loved one and I liked two even more, and then three just continues in that trajectory. I don't know, you know, how, how they can keep this going. Uh, yeah. I know, you know, season four, uh, okay, we're not going to say anything that we're not allowed to say, but season four is coming, 
So uh, hopefully, you know, that, that all continues uh, on. But yeah, the cliffhanger, Keith, I'm with you. I was, I had, it's like that feeling when the writers do their uh, job, when the cinematographers do their job, you just have the feeling, that awful feeling that something is about to happen. And in the back of your mind, you keep waiting for it. And then it does. And you don't expect it to be that bad. And then you have to sit and say, oh, wow, now I have to wait for a year or what until I find out what happened. Yeah. I, can't so do it later. I would have been, I would have died if I had to wait. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's it, it, it was it was tough. But again, all, all credit goes to them of how great they did it. And uh, the terrific job of writing, cinematography, acting, everything was just uh, really good. Really well I think it helps to be a fan of what you're writing. You know, even if you're exactly. if you're a fan of the genre, right? Yeah. Like not to go into another. But James Wan is a horror fan. So his movies, they kill. They, like, mm -hmm. Literally, they kill. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but these Cobra Kai creators, they're, they're fans of the show, man. So they they have been thinking about it for years and they're writing what they what they envisioned or imagined. Or yeah. I mean, season three with going back to Okinawa. It's just, it's, it's, it's so expensive. It's so expensive. It's, I'll stop talking. No, don't, don't stop talking. This is what we're doing. This is a conversation, right? Sometimes people confuse what I do for interviews. These are interviews in the way that I ask you questions, but these are really conversations, and that's that's the way we want to do it. So go well, Alan, when Alan, when did you start watching it? Did you watch it when it was still on YouTube? YouTube I Red. I didn't okay. know it existed. Yeah, I did yeah, not like, know like it. A lot. I, right, right. I'm I'm in that boat where I didn't know it existed until it uh, it uh, showed up on Netflix, and then I was hesitant to start watching it because I had such you know kind of uh, great feelings growing up about Karate Kid. And I didn't want them to be ruined. And then I very, very cautiously started watching. But pretty much in like five minutes into uh, into uh, season one, I was like, okay, I'm done. This is great. I'm moving. I'm moving on. And then I blew right through one and two. And then you know, sat there like everybody else, waiting for season three to come out. Yeah, I, I, th I think the brilliance of it too is is that you know it, it centers, especially the first season, around, around Billy, right? It, it, mm -hmm. it centers around him, and it's a character that you love, you you hate it, yeah. and now you see that he's he humanized him, and he's a guy with these problems, and he never got over the thing in high school, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I think that's the brilliance of it. Is you're seeing you're seeing another side to somebody that you really hated for your yeah. entire. Which the, even the bully has a reason, right? Which and they're they, and, and they're doing that same thing with John Kreese now with I know. season three. It's 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 fantastic. I I never thought I would like Kreese, and right. I I started to feel I started to feel a little something, uh, in in the beginning of three, and then it just took off. I'm like, oh wow. Okay, I still really don't like what you ended up being, but I get it. And maybe there's a redeeming thing in there somewhere, and they're gonna get to it in you know four, five, or six. We'll see. But how amazing for those actors, right? Yeah, to be identified with these villains their entire yeah. career, and then have a chance thirty years later to go and give them a backstory. Yeah, that that's that is genius. Right, this thing could go on forever, really. And I hope it does. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely could. I mean, they could they could 
turn this into movies, right? With mm-hmm. with the with the current young cast, uh, mm-hmm. where they once they become older, they could do the same thing. I mean, it, it's it's amazing what, how how they've uh, how they've created this. I think that's me and George. You're going to talk, start telling stories about me and George. Maybe we could all spin <laughs> right. off. Right, right. Why not? Why not? You know. Hey, listen. Uh, I I was actually you know, Keith. I was thinking about you uh, a little bit before because there was you know on YouTube there are a whole bunch of videos and I'm a martial arts uh, guy so I watch these videos and there's a video of you know a tournament uh, happening and the uh, the referee basically uh, gets ticked off and the referee just you know knocks out one of the one of the guys I'm like wait a second so you know Keith is there announcing it and right Daryl is there announcing it we would like to see if Daryl you know could actually jump in there and do some stuff so like yeah. these, these are types of things that are all available and open if they choose to do it. Unfortunately, they only have 10 episodes per season, which I still right. don't like. And right. I wish they had more runway to, to play with stuff, but you know, we'll see. And that, that's I think- about binging too, I'm sorry, Kurt. That's the thing about binging too, man, is like, I appreciate that I can watch things at my fingertips when I want to, but there, there's something about the anticipation of waiting week to week and shows roll out, the anticipation of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that build that also helps build the audience. Um, I think Netflix Netflix acquiring this show um, was brilliant for them. Uh, I think it it it, sur- it surpassed anybody, anybody's expectation. Mm-hmm. Definitely mine. I was just like, oh yeah, oh, cool, cool, We're going to Netflix. Mm-hmm. I start seeing posters and posts like, what? This is blown up. Okay, great. I'm here for it. Yeah, um, Kurt. I'm sorry, we interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> no worries. But, oh, oh, yeah, I, I remember now. I would, you know, it was back to your point about, uh, you know, seeing if, if we were going to see Keith go in there and, <laughs> and show some of his karate skills. I think we had, I think we had talked about that when we first met on set, uh, our very first time for, for the, I think in episode 107 for the, our first committee meeting that was, yep. that was sh- shown, um, I think the the four of us had kind of chatted about, you know, we're all Valley committee members, but were we also karate practitioners? I mean, it would have made sense, right? If if we yeah. were. So I think we I think we all got some moves in us at, at some point if the writers ever want to show them off. And we have a special guest joining us, Kylie Delray, who plays Judy. Hi. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we we needed that, right? Yeah, we have three guys. We needed uh, we needed a a, a, a much more a balanced oh, okay. approach to the show. <laughs> you know, not only now we have four squares, but we have nice uh, you know nice symmetry to things. I like it. Uh, well, we were just uh, kind of uh, chatting and uh, and trying to figure out you know in in the show if uh, you know Keith's character and youth uh, youth character uh, Keith's character and Kurt's character. This is not actually easy to say. Uh, would jump in and uh, and participate in any of the uh, karate tournaments uh, at any point. So uh, Kylie, you know, was there was there ever a point where Judy, you know, wanted to uh, to kind of punch uh, <laughs> punch yeah. uh, uh, Zapka for uh, for hanging the TV in the wrong place and uh, showing us some of your moves? Uh, sure, maybe like yeah. the second season when I came back at the bar. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could have done it in that dress, but I would have tried. You know. Uh, kick <laughs> why not it, it could have worked we're just we're thinking of you know what can be done for seasons four and five yes. and, uh, yeah so um 
no I have lots of ideas and people I talk to have ideas as well so I always like hearing that like what you know people think should happen yeah well see actually that part got me in trouble because I was reading up all of the different ideas that people had of what's going to happen in season three and Mm -hmm. then going into season three I started expecting some of them to happen thankfully (laughs) they didn't uh, because it was much better written than the ideas that I heard but it it almost took me a little bit away uh, from watching into the expectation. Right. So for right. season four, I am not going to watch any of the wonderful YouTube videos of uh, all the fans deciding what they think is going to happen. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I just I, I just want to watch. I, I don't want right. any anticip- anticipatory things there. Right. So, Good idea. So that said, you know, we we can talk about the things that you would like uh, to see on the show. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, Kylie, let's start with you. What would you like to see, you know, in season four and five and six and, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to keep saying this, but no one has shut me up yet. Um, but, uh, Daniel's first girlfriend from New Jersey is named Judy. Um, yeah. So my little fantasy is that I'm taking karate lessons from Johnny like and you know we're on the mats and then Daniel walks in and it's like Judy I'm like Daniel what are you doing here but that Johnny and I have chemistry or something is you know and then Daniel's like why do you have to hit on all my ex-girlfriends blah blah blah. (laughs) (laughs) uh so that's my idea um we're somehow taking lessons from him or somehow get that because everybody's like, you guys have such great chemistry together. It's too bad. You don't, you know, you didn't have a longer scene or you're not here still. And I actually booked originally his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah. So the guys kind of know me really well. And, um, and I went to the premiere in New York. And so, uh, and he's the nicest guy in the world and so easy to work with. So of course I'd love to come back and I'd like to be it more, but I don't know what you can really expect from Judy at this point. Some people are like, oh, it doesn't make sense for her to come back. But most people want us to get together. Uh, I, I think it'll be a fun storyline. Again, like the, the limitation of the 10 episodes and you know, uh, trying to develop only so many things at one time. But right. hey, there's, there's stuff that's thrown in because you know, in a show like this, you can't have it uh, uh, continually building and dramatic. It, it has to have a lot of other things yes. thrown in. Right, to, some comic uh, relief. Yeah. yeah, to ease the tension. Not to say that right. you're the comic relief, but uh, I, there, there are storylines that. that could be <laughs> playable there. Right. So, very cool. And uh, Kurt, what do you think? Uh, you know, what, what would you like to see for George? Well, I think, I think it's time for another karate tournament, don't you? I mean, it's well, been... It's, it's coming. <laughs> it's, yeah, we're, we're up to... We're going into season four now, so I'm hoping for another karate tournament. Bring back the All-Valley Committee and, and we'll get this done. I, I think, and again, you know, Keith, uh, Kurt, we were talking about that a little bit earlier, but I think there's the opportunity for, uh, for the All-Valley, uh, you know, uh, team to start saying, you know what, you know, you guys, uh, there, there are three dojos, uh, we, need to, uh, we need to step in and, uh, you know, restore order. Right. And then some people have said, uh, or have made the suggestion that I'm one of the kids' moms, like they were very specific and I forgot which kid. So that might be that might be fun too, to like show up mm. with one of the kids unexpectedly. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> Very cool. Now, do any of you, uh, and again, I, I uh, in doing some research, right, I was speaking to, uh, to Susan, who plays Homeless Lynn, who's wonderful, and uh, she has a, you know, serious martial arts background. So that's one of the storylines that I would love to see of Homeless Sue, <laughs> you know, start as Homeless Sue, Homeless Lynn, starting <laughs> right. to, uh, you know, just drop it and start kicking ass. 
Uh, do any of you have a kind of martial arts background that I did not see in my, uh, in my research? Yes, I have an extensive mar uh, background in watching martial arts movies. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> my favorite is The Last Dragon. So, uh, you know. Yeah. The Last Dragon with Bruce Leroy. Bruce Leroy. Yes. Hey. <laughs> I am the master. You could have <laughs> a conversation with Matt and I in season one. We were talking about breaking, breaking two. Last, yeah. <laughs> dad, last dragon my dad had to come and pull me out of the theater i was watching it for the third time yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. i i really enjoyed it so it was definitely it was definitely in my repertoire yeah. uh kurt so i don't have a background in martial arts but um i've been working as a personal trainer for 20 years and i've done kickboxing and tai bo and yeah so i'm in pretty good shape i could learn it <laughs> yeah listen <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great right. seeing Billy Blanks on the TV again. <laughs> He's coming back. <laughs> He's coming back. Yeah, one of uh, one of my martial arts uh, friends, uh, you know, had him over and kind of was training with him for their films. So I saw, you know, Billy uh, training, and then I started seeing more and more of Billy coming into commercials. So I'm glad that he's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kurt, I'm sorry we didn't get to you. Any any martial arts background? Oh, yeah, but way, way back in the day, you know, I started, I did some like Taekwondo when I was uh, middle school, maybe something like that. And then yeah. when I was in my 20s, I did, I uh, took a, a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu class for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but the, the instructor of the Jiu Jitsu class was, I, mean, I can't remember what his, his day job was like a financial analyst or something like that where he he worked crazy hours in his day job so yeah. our class didn't start till like 9 or 10 p.m wow. so we'd get out of the class at like 11 or midnight and then so that that class didn't last very long for me i i, I only survived about a month and then i quit listen that's it, it actually works out nicely from my perspective because when somebody puts you in a chokehold you can just fall asleep and you're done and right just there. stay there <laughs> <laughs> anyway sorry um now you've mentioned day jobs, which uh, which is you know from an actor's perspective is interesting, right? Uh, people who are looking at actors who do not know the reality of uh, what an actor is like are thinking, you know, the the lifestyles of the rich and pious. Uh, what they don't realize is that you know most actors which is us, have, which that's exactly yeah. us. <laughs> Precisely. All right. So then, then never mind the question. That's my dad. So. Uh, uh, in reality, right, we all kind of uh, uh, have to work either side uh, gigs or we have careers in addition to, uh, to being an actor. So, um, you know, Kylie, you've mentioned that uh, you've been doing a lot of the uh, personal training. Is that mm -hmm. kind of uh, your track of what you do when you're not uh, on set? Yeah, um, probably, well, I don't know how many years, but I bartended for years when I first started acting. Um, but you always need something flexible so that was personal training was great because I started as a gymnast. So that kind of evolved naturally where people were asking me at the gym if I could help them. Yeah. So I've done that for 20 years and I just got my real estate license last month. Yay! So I'm going to start doing that as well because I live in Atlanta right now and Atlanta is yeah. booming. Like it's such yeah. a great market to be in for yeah. the housing. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, everything flexible because you do need to be, even though it's all self-tape and getting to be more so through COVID, yeah. um, that gives us a lot more flexibility as well. But um, then you do need to be available for callbacks and bookings and stuff. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Kurt, you know, you and I have uh, have some similarities because uh, you didn't uh, get into acting until I think you were in in your mid to late twenties, uh, uh, and you finished, and you were doing uh, computer uh, consulting. You know, this is what I still do. So, you know, this is my lunch break uh, from my computer job. That's you know, right in that corner. Um, do you have you stopped uh, doing uh, IT stuff, uh, or are you still doing things on the side? Yeah, I haven't done anything uh, software related since 2013, end of 2013. Nice. So it's been a it's been a while, and you know how you know how quickly technology moves. So if someone tried to pull me back into doing some any coding, I would be completely lost. I needed to go through another four years of college before mm -hmm. I could probably get back into it. No, no worries. So is it is it all acting right now? Acting, uh, you know, pays the bills, or do you have uh, other supplements? No, I work as I'm a photographer as as my secondary job. I think it's I think it's really important for anybody, really, no matter where you are in your career, to kind of have that the the extra income, whatever it is, um, because acting is such a um, unpredictable career, and the and and the money is just it. it comes and goes and, and you, we never know where, when and where it's gonna be coming from to have something that's more consistent that we have more control over, right? Is, is, uh, is so important. Cause I mean, the more, the, the longer you're in this career, the, the more people that you'll meet, like I've met people that had been series regulars on shows that made tons of money when they were working as series regulars. But when, then once that show gets canceled there, all of a sudden the money just completely stops. And if you don't have anything to, to fall back on or, or, or have, um, that, that you can supplement your income with and it's, it's rough. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Keith, what about you? Yeah. Uh, interesting. Interesting. You said that Kurt, cause you know, sometimes you think about, um, artists who are, who are big, right. Like crisscross, you know, crisscross not making music. Actually, one of them has passed away, but you know, where are they now? Is somebody working at Foot Locker? You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So, um, I have, hold on, my kids are being loud. Hey, boys. <laughs> interview, can you, uh, can you keep it down? Sorry. So, um, that was a very Denzel sorry right there. So, I don't know if you've ever gotten that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you sorry. You sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I, I'm a professor uh, of theater, um, associate professor. Mm -hmm. Tenure a few years ago. Uh, I work at Spelman College, representing Spelman Hi. College here at HBU in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I've been teaching since since I was in grad school, um, uh, but this is my first tenure track position, and um, I found a home here. My family loves it here, and uh, so that's kind of what I do on the side. Um, you know, uh, I, I never got into acting for money to be rich or famous. I just really was having a lot of fun. And I liked it. And then I, I realized that there was a, a, a technique, that, that a craft. And so I, I learned that craft and uh, it took root after graduate school, actually. Uh, and so um, that's what I teach my students. I teach my students the craft and the love. Um, and for them to be honest with themselves, uh, if they want to be rich and famous, and there are definitely ways to do that now, you know, influencers, TikTok, all that stuff, you can be famous. Uh, but if you want to have a career, then you need to not be thinking about the money. Yeah. And that's why having another uh, kind of source of income, at least what I found, is it took me out of the, uh, out of the mindset 
that I have to get this audition. I have to get this job. And when you are thinking that you have to get this job, you're not going to do a great job. Uh, so when I don't need to worry about money, when I have it coming from another source, it just opens me up and I can relax. I can enjoy, I can make the choices I want to make and just have fun. And that's when I started doing that. So yeah, very cool. Um, you, uh, Keith, you talk about the craft. So again, the, the show is the love of acting. And usually we spend quite a bit of time on craft. I know, you know, the audience wants to hear about the show and the actors, but let's talk about craft just for a, a little bit. So when you say craft, what aspects uh, kind of do you teach that you find are most relevant to, you know, being able to work and being successful? Okay. Well, as I said, I teach at the HBCU, a historically black college person. Um, um, and so what I typically try to, so most of my students are African-American. Um, uh, what I typically teach them are to be uh, greater citizens of the world, right? Um, I think that uh, this calling to be an actor, to be a purveyor of stories, uh, the carrier of stories, of history uh, is a noble calling. I think it gets a bad rap in this country because anybody can wake up every, any day and say, hey, I'm an actor today with no training, with no craft. So I try to teach my students that it's honorable to, to be the conveyor of these stories uh, and to be aware of the world around them, inside and outside of themselves. Um, and there's a great level of empathy that you need in order to inhabit these characters. Um, so, and also that, that these elements of breath, voice, and movement don't occur in silos, that uh, working specifically with gestures um, uh, gives you different inflections uh, and working with your breath, it gives you a different intention. Um, and, and those things are interchangeable. You know, sometimes you need more, sometimes you need one more than the other. So I, I just teach them to be more aware of themselves. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Because again, uh, a lot of times when people think from the craft perspective, they're thinking a particular technique, but it's a lot more of, uh, of internalizing, knowing yourself, knowing how your body, your breath, uh, intentions, everything works. And then the techniques are just things that you can apply when you need to. And I think a lot of actors get lost in the specific technique and forget that really when they're hiring you and a lot of casting directors are saying that when they're hiring you, they're hiring you, right? They're not hiring you because they, you know, they, they see you as someone else. It's, it's something within you that they see. And now they just want to, you know, you to be in that uh, character state. So. And, and I, um, think with, I think with that too, is, is if you teach students, I teach them to not make it about themselves, to put the onus on the next person. And then it's not about you. Not about, it's not about you getting the job. It's about you being a part of this collective, this part of this situation. Even if you don't book the job, you never know what seeds you're planting for jobs down the line or connections down the line. But if you're so concerned about you and not the other, then that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Uh, Kurt, what's, uh, what's your kind of acting approach and what are the things that uh, are important to you? Well, I just, uh, you know, just to carry on what Keith was saying. That's just, that's just a great approach to life too, right? To, to think about the other person and, and take the, take the thoughts off of, off of yourself. Um, I, I really love listening to people like Keith talk about this because he's been, you know, doing it for so long. And then he's also become a, a professor in acting because that, like, like we just talked about, that was not my life growing up, right? My life growing up, I was very much the, the, the math and science kid in school. And then I went to college for computer science, got my, you know, uh, 
computer science and engineering degree and then worked in software for almost 10 years before you know doing this weird transition into the into the world of acting so it's it's always it, it always makes me feel great to hear people who have done this for so long and have like had this dream uh, of acting for uh, a much longer time than I have. And, and it's weird to say, because I've, I've never even, it's never even really been like a dream of mine to do this. I kind of, kind of fell into it and then found that I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I definitely enjoyed it more than doing my, my office job. So I, I decided to pursue uh, more of it. I, I think, you know, if we're going back to your question of, of the, you know, what's necessary to find success as an actor, it really, a lot of it depends on what they define as success, right? Everybody has a different definition of it and what they want to do with it. And um, if they're specifically looking to have a career in the film and television industry and be in movies and be in shows, no matter what level of success they're looking for, I think there's also, they have to study obviously the craft to become a good actor, but then also understanding that show business is a business, right? And then having to understand that part too is, is such a big, big piece of it because um, there's a lot of people that, that will think, all right, I'm ready to become an actor. I watched, I watched an episode of Cobra Kai and now I'm ready to be on it. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm sure you get the same stuff on your, on your YouTube uh, videos. Uh, I have a YouTube channel myself and I get all of those questions of, Hey, I saw you on Cobra Kai. How can I get on the show? Can you help me get on the show? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and that's that the lack of understanding of, of both, you know, that it's a craft that you got to learn. And then also that it's a business that you got to, you know, build, uh, and it takes time. It, it, it really takes time. And I think, uh, patience is, is such a, a, big part of it. I, I, I tell a lot of people that patience kills acting careers more than lack of, uh, lack of talent does. Or there are yeah. some people that may be super talented, but they somehow, for some reason, they have this, uh, the, they put this deadline in their head uh, of, of their dreams. Why, why are you setting a deadline for your dreams? Right. I, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm, I get to X point at, by the time I'm 20 or by the time I'm 25, uh, otherwise I'm going to give it up. Right. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot, of, a lot of people, again, they have those uh, deadlines that are artificially created by somebody else for them. Right. So it's, it's all about uh, family obligations. It's all about, you know, what, you know, your parents want you to do. It's, it's about your friends. It's about not having a identity outside of what it is that you define. So you kind of, uh, you know, put a toe in the water and say, I'm going to try this because I think I'm good, but I'm not really going to give it a fair try to me. And, you know, no offense to anybody that does this, but to me, this is akin to instead of getting married, it's the moving in part and kind of trusting it out and mm -hmm. seeing. And to me, from a psychological perspective, it doesn't it doesn't have the right intention. Either you're going to get married, you're going to try to work things out. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But to just try, you're kind of looking for ways of getting out and looking for something that says, oh, I was right not to get married. That's why I chose this little step. Same thing with acting. It's either you or it's not. And if it's you, then you're going to continue doing this in whatever way you can. And if you are good, if you are a professional, if you are a nice person uh, to be around, uh, things eventually will all kind of work themselves out at whatever so that's my you know, view on it. Uh, Kylie, I'm sorry, I kind of uh, jumped. That's in. okay. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I've been in this business a long time. I don't look as old as I am, but um, I also fell into it. <laughs> I told you how old I was. Um, but my friend's mom asked me to do a play after college. Um, and I was really shy growing up and I had no idea what that would look like. Uh, and then I did a bunch of plays with that community theater company. And then I asked how to continue. And then I went to Strasbourg in New York. Um, but soon, soon kind of took myself out of that program. Um, cause I didn't think a lot of people were doing it, like where they weren't really into it, but I definitely found my niche. I love acting. Um, then I went to LA and I have also taught and I've produced and directed and, you know, doing things. I wanted to stay in the industry. I've worked in casting, I had a management company, a workshop company. I've kind of done it all, like not getting hired. I was like, I want to stay in the industry and how can I do that and learn more? So I think I was very well-rounded in the industry. I kind of write it all on my bio, on my website, kyliedelroy.com. I outline it. It's pretty personal. Um, but, But one thing I learned early on is that I would read with friends of mine who I knew really well. And I would get frustrated that I maybe wasn't finding it or I didn't feel completely authentic. And they were like, the stuff we would talk about in between reading the scene or the audition, they were like that right there, do that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, all your Kylie-isms, like do that. And then you just get, I feel like with experience, you just get more confident that you're enough, that I'm entertaining enough, right? That I can bring myself to the roles. And I've had casting directors say, this is not how we were going with this role, but you totally know yourself. And I've gotten cast like maybe out of the box. Um, so I think that's the best thing you can do instead of trying to make yourself crazy and trying to morph into everything you want, you think that people want you to be. Um, just know that you're enough and be authentic and show up and have fun. Um, people often say to me like, oh, you must be a really good liar because you're an actor. And I was like, oh, we're really good truth tellers, right? No one's going to pay and go to the theater to have somebody lie to them. Um, So I just think even if I don't relate to the character, that's where I then have to go to my toolbox or use my imagination and say like, okay, how would I approach this role? Because I want to honor the character and the story. Um, But if I relate to the character and I can pull from some part of my life, like those are always the best. And those are the things I get the most accolades for. Am I a bitch? No, I can be for Judy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, do I know people who are mean? Sure. Uh, so yeah. Perfect. That makes sense. And then the last, the last part that I wanted to do, which you know should be a, a show on its own that we really get a chance to dive in. But you know, I think it's such a great opportunity because we have a woman uh, with us. We have, uh, you know, a person of uh, Asian descent and we have a black man. And, you know, I'm here, the white person. <laughs> um, so in terms of our industry, you know, have you seen that the industry is getting better and more diverse and you're getting opportunities that you weren't getting before? Or do you see that things are still, you know, lacking and uh, they should be a lot better? Can I uh, get a quick so, answer to that? Yeah. Not me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I first started, I went out to LA and everybody was like in their twenties. I was competing with more people than anyone. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were very like uh, disheartened by that. A lot of my friends, a lot of my peers, like I'm never going to book and blah, blah, blah. And everybody I went into the rooms with was a size zero or a one, like everybody who leading lady stuff, like you had to be like really anorexic. Um, And I lost roles to people because I was like a size two or a four. And I'm like, oh my God, seriously? Um, 
So that I think has changed. Like, and I always say like Christina Hendricks from Mad Men was like one of the first white women who had a real body. And granted that show was in the fifties and sixties, but that was really refreshing. And I think that's changed a lot. Like Drew Barrymore has addressed that. Like um, people are coming up like the woman on, um, there's a comedy, I can't remember the name of it offhand. And she has a real body and they kind of make fun of it, her. Like, she's like, oh, we want to have kids. And they're like, well, well, you're, you have the hips for it, you know? <laughs> um, but I think that is changing. Even the commercials for like Dove, the underwear commercials, like people are becoming like more accepting of real figures, you know, and not to be prejudiced because I'm not at all, but like black women and Hispanic women, they were always allowed to have real curves. Like they're very, you know, can be voluptuous. Like that is not true of leading lady white women. Um, and also as I stay in the business longer, my talent pool gets smaller. So I'm not competing with everybody who's starting out and women in their twenties anymore. So that also helps. And I, um, and if you can write, I think everybody should write. If you can write a vehicle, like write your story, write yeah. something, yeah. yeah, so. I agree, thank you, Kylie. Um, yeah. Kurt, especially uh, with, again, not, not to throw more 2020 stuff on it, but uh, you know, with, uh, with the anti-Asian uh, sentiment and a lot of the stuff that's happening uh, around the country due to things and certain people who should keep their mouth shut. Uh, <laughs> so, like, have you, have you seen, I guess, two-part question, have you seen the anti-Asian uh, sentiment uh, where you are uh, in, in Atlanta? And then have you, uh, what do you think in terms of the industry uh, moving into more opportunities that are not stereotypical for, uh, you know, men of Asian descent? Um, I really haven't seen it personally because I've been, exactly. I've stayed, I've stayed at home. <laughs> I haven't yeah. really been going anywhere other than going grocery shopping. But um, yeah. as far as the industry goes, it's hard to answer that question for me because I still feel like I'm relatively new to the industry itself. I started out in, uh, in Cleveland about 12 years ago, but, uh, but I've only been in Atlanta for about four and a half, five years. So, and, and like, so as far as, really pursuing a film and television career has been uh, only in the past four to five years. So it's, it's hard to say like if I've seen any differences in opportunities because it's been such a short period of time. Uh, but I will say it's, um, I didn't really, I've had some people ask me about like representation for Asian, Asian American actors before. And I, I think when I was just, I think this happens to a lot of people is that we may not necessarily think about those things uh, so much as we're just trying to pursue our careers, because especially as kind of like, quote unquote, middle-class actors, we're just trying to get that next job, right? We're, we're not necessarily, um, we're not at the point where we can pick our roles and turn down roles and say, you know, I want to take this role because it's really going to advance uh, the Asian American experience here in the, in the United States or whatever. Um, but I, I will say that I've had people comment to me, people that I've never met before. Like some people have written uh, on, on my YouTube channel and in, in the comments saying that they were inspired by seeing me in Cobra Kai, for instance, or, or, or whatever, um, because that, because they are of, of Asian descent. Um, so it wasn't something that I set out to do, right. But it is, it does feel good to, to know that, you know, whatever 
small part that I've played, I, I may have inspired some young actor who may have never thought that this could have been a career path for them uh, going forward. So, um, so yeah. That's great. That's great. Uh, very, very happy to hear that. Stay safe. Um, <laughs> yeah, Keith, uh, again, kind of uh, <laughs> all to you and we don't have to even mention what happened in 2020. No, no, we don't. I just saw it again this morning. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, definitely. I think um, a lot of it is, I've been doing this a long time, you know, um, I've, but I've, I've been a fan of television and film for longer than I knew I wanted to be an actor. Um, I think that there are more opportunities and platforms for content, right? So, People are looking to feel it all can't be just TVs of white people because that's not what the world looks like. And so they're looking for different stories to tell. Um, and I know that there's a fear from a lot of white actors that they're being snuffed out. But if, if you look at it, it's just that there's more content being offered. Yeah. You know, we don't have three or four networks anymore. We have, I mean, Nat Geo, National Geographic has shows, mm -hmm. I say, you know, so there, there are just so many different platforms um, uh, that, that people can be seen on. Um, I think that uh, people like Sterling K. Brown and his wife, Ryan Bathe, um, uh, you know, kind of anchoring this is us uh, from his perspective. I mean, it's the strongest storyline in the show, um, but that doesn't take away from anybody else and what they bring to that ensemble. Mm -hmm. the strongest storyline because of the history of Black people in this country and the trauma that we've suffered. And so you get to see trauma, not, not, post-traumatic slave syndrome, right? You get to see somebody who's dealing with trauma of being abandoned, right? And looking for joy. And I think that, um, I'm gonna go on a little soapbox here. I, I had an epiphany over the, um, this pandemic, this quarantine, that every character is searching for joy. Whatever that joy means for them. Hannibal Lecter is searching for joy. The thing that brings him joy. Uh, and I think that in this country, people are so afraid of, because our Black joy looks different than everybody else's joy, right? Our joy is loud. Our joy is celebratory. Um, and it could be scary to some people. So when they see it, they want to stop it before it escalates to the thing that they think is scary. So they stop the joy. And by stopping the joy, they're, they're, they, are in, they are enforcing trauma. No, you can't be happy here. Go across. No, you have to go home. But I'm just hanging with my friends. You have to go home. And then it escalates to something else. And now there's trauma. So I think that if we give everyone space to search for their joy, find their joy, everybody will be more happy. And then we see people actually celebrating what that joy looks like. I'm sure the, the way Kurt and Kylie's people celebrate is way different than the way my people celebrate. But mm, I don't know. We're pretty loud and big, too. <laughs> <laughs> my, folks, my folks not I am um, but I think I think that's part of the empath in me it, it, it's feeling what people feel uh, and it was, it's a big part of being an artist Understood. I need to hang out with Kylie since she laughs <laughs> yeah um, it's it's you're right and uh, every everybody is different again I my my heritage is Jewish so, you know, the Russian Jews, when we get together, it's a lot of, you know, very, very loud. It's music. Like when people go to, uh, to our celebrations, 
they don't understand why everybody has to stand up and give a toast because it's not a normal thing for them. It's a normal thing for us. I started, literally, I'm a poet. Uh, and this is my soapbox. I'm going to make it very, very <laughs> short. I love uh, people and how eloquent they are. But if it doesn't rhyme, let's call it something <laughs> else. It's poetry. When you can be eloquent, when it rhymes, when it doesn't rhyme, it's beautiful, but it's not poetry. So that's my thing of coming from Europe and then going to the United States. And then everybody's a poet. I'm like, mm, okay. Anyway, so uh, I started writing poetry literally because being a child and being at the celebrations and seeing all of my dad's friends get up and read these beautiful poetic toasts, I wanted to do that. So the searching for joy is the right thing to say because everybody searches in their own ways. So I, I wish everybody would have that opportunity and just be joyful. I think our world would be a lot better off for it. So, um, I know we're kind of running, uh, running short on time. I would love to talk to you all individually further about all of these things and you're always welcome. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on. Thank you, Kylie. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, sorry I was late again. Yeah, couldn't figure no, it out. Listen, yeah. you, you, you were not late. You were a welcome addition. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, and, Alan. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We know you love Cobra Kai as much mm -hmm. as we do. You know, uh, you know, we know your fans. Uh, and uh, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did uh, just talking to these guys. Thank you. Cool. Thanks.